What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought. A show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. The third one is farewell. Mm, uh, Yes, that's right. So, if you were not on social media this week, Nate and I had an announcement to make, and that is that at the conclusion of the Buffalo Bills season, whenever that may be, so too will Food for Thought Mm -hmm. conclude. Nate and I have reached the point in our lives where our ever-expansive non-vidcast worlds have begun to intrude upon the time that is necessary to pre-produce, post-produce, and record the show. So, yeah, we will continue to bring you the excellent food metaphoric content that you have come to learn and love from this show until the Bills season ends. So, Bruce, if, if I could just say, I hope we have to do this show for three more weeks. I hope so, too. Yeah. So the way it will work is that the last episode will either be after a Bills Super Bowl win, which would be ideal. Or if the Bills were to lose, for example, this week, then next week would be our na- our last show. So we are, yes, right. the answer is, RJ, we are going to do a farewell show. Yes. This will not be the last this show. This will That's not right. be the last show. There is 0% chance that that is the case. So until that day comes, we are going to continue to do the thing that we do. And we're going to have a blast doing it. And we hope that you will finish this out with us. So... As we are getting seated, a reminder to hit all the engagement buttons. Mm-hmm. Like, subscribe, rate, review. Any YouTube super chat at or greater than $10 gets a Genesee Pine Glass because Food for Thought is proudly presented by Genesee Brewing Company. Since 1878, Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They have made no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee Beer, Genesee Light, Cream Ale, 
which I got to get me some of, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch, another thing I have to get me some of, and Oktoberfest, Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. Nate, I really feel like I need some Picasso's pizza in my life. You kind of always need it, but I would agree with you. It's been a little while that since the last time I've had it, to be honest. I, I, I think Mrs. Nolan is listening to the show. So mm-hmm. I need Mrs. Nolan to text me if she's interested in a, a significant road trip for us to get some Picasso's pizza. I would because... love nothing more than for you guys to take a little road trip up here. And can I be honest with you? Yeah. I'd like to take you on a little bit more than last time. Because for, for people that don't know, Bruce Nolan, Mrs. Nolan are two of the sweetest people in the whole world, right? So I'm in the middle of moving for the umpteen time, not this current time, as you can tell, I'm in a new surrounding. Uh, this is, this is, this is my new digs. Um, but the last time I moved, Bruce drove 50,000 miles from the remote Island of Paraguay, which is, I recognize is not an Island. It's a, it's a, uh, it, it is a country in South America, but I digress FBI. Um, he drove uh, a good long distance to bring me a whole bunch of boxes uh, so that I may move more efficiently and better. Uh, and because of that, I had Bruce meet me at Picasso's Pizza. And that was the first time I had introduced Bruce to Picasso's Pizza. But there was a lot of lead up. If you remember it properly, Bruce, you put a lot of pressure on me. You were like, listen, I'm, I'm bringing Miss Nolan. And uh, she wants Buffalo Pizza. We want the Buffalo Pizza experience. Nate, we are relying on you to not fail us in this instance. So I thought long and hard. And I said, okay, meet me here. I gave them the address. They met me there. We walked into the Picasso's in Hamburg and Bruce and Mrs. Nolan got, uh, did you guys get a large pie or just a couple of pieces to go? I can't Large remember. pie. It was a large pie. And then I brought some Genesee for them as well. Um, right. Did I, did I bring you some Genesee? Uh, no, I, picked, I bought some at the Wegmans. Yes. That was right we down the road. On the way. Right down back. the road. Right down the road. We got a cooler um, and everything so we could put it in there and all that stuff. And that was kind of your introduction to Buffalo food. Um, at, well, at least to Buffalo pizza. And I feel like this time around, of course, I feel like maybe you guys leave with Picasso's pizza. But I think you come up and you've come up before. We've done uh, mm-hmm. Corner together. That was mm-hmm. my first time having Kelly's Corner, though. So that wasn't like a place that I would have like, you know, said, hey, Bruce, we got to go to Kelly's Corner. And not to say that that wasn't fantastic food because it was unbelievable. They rolled out the red carpet for us at Kelly's Corner. They were unbelievably kind to us at Kelly's Corner. Unbelievable. They gave us, I mean, I think we also got literally everything on the menu that day. Um, Yes, we ate everything on the menu. RIP to our collective. I did not drive home. I rolled home. (laughs) It was a thing. Um. But I've got a couple of wing places that I feel I'd, I'd like to take you and Mrs. Nolan. So um, let's plan that trip up. You know, once the show's over and we complete this whole this 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 unbelievable, you know, past two years that we've done together, I would like to to culminate it in a way where I bring you and Miss Nolan to my favorite wing places. Maybe a couple stops. I would not hate that. Okay. I would not hate that. And I would need some Picasso's pizza because of course. every show on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network is presented by Picasso's Pizza. That's right. You need to treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza treat on yourself. game day. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Picasso's, we are Buffalo Pizza. Shipping locally and nationwide. Order online at picassospizza.net. Today, we are going to raise a glass to the food for thought drinking game. And we're going to have it a couple more times. So we got to make it count, ladies and gentlemen. Got to make it count. And guys, 
listening or watching food for thought drinking game number one we take a drink if any of the following things happen and number two you got to call it out in the youtube set a comment section if you see it either host mentions their pet either host mentions their dynasty fantasy football league nate's cat jumps on his lap nate name drops a local buffalo restaurant the third f of the show is an item that's a subset of food there's a super chat a winner or loser of the week is some version of all of us. Bruce says, what I mean by that is, Bruce gives a fictional reason as to why his camera is not working, and Nate hmm. openly Googles something during the show. Moving along, let's do it. We are going to talk about foods that require a second taste. Not hmm. necessarily because the first taste was amazing. I'm not saying foods you go back for seconds of. I'm saying foods that require more than one bite, more than one serving, more than one sitting to get the entire experience. Nate, the reason why I did this is because this is kind of the situation with the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals this week. I yep. mentioned earlier on the Bruce Exclusive that I thought that this was a very fascinating thing from a coaching standpoint. And the reason that is, is because both teams had an opportunity to see the other team inside script, but not to see the other team's adjustment to the scripts. So everybody saw everybody's opening hand, but nobody saw how they thought they were going to adjust to the opening hand. And so it's this weird game of rock, paper, scissors where he threw rock and you were getting ready <laughs> to throw paper, but now he thinks you're going to throw paper. So maybe he throws scissors, but now you think maybe he might throw scissors because he thinks you're going to throw paper, which means now you're going to throw rock. Stop it, Bruce. That <laughs> is essentially what we're at. And I think it's fascinating. Come on. That oh was a really gosh. good. That was a really that good. Was, listen, you, you, you took it a special place. By the way, I want to give a quick shout out to one of our listeners here, Dan. Dan uh, makes a little note here. Nate, I got you for boxes, but not mustard boxes. And if you remember, Bruce, I, I do some, some, some delicious mustards. And it was from our, our, our good friend, Dan here, um, whose, whose family owns Nunday mustard, which is, I, I'm not even kidding. I, I have the box with me here. It made its trip over to my new apartment. Um, well, I, I can't remember how many. I, I didn't send you all of them because if they're being honest, I hoarded a couple for myself. No, you sent me like four of them though. But yeah, I and sent them all four, fantastic. Dan. They're all fantastic. Uh, I think my favorite so far has been the black peppercorn. It is. Uh, you didn't I mean, send me that one, by the way. Uh, I hate you forever. I wonder why. I wonder why I didn't send you that Peppercorn one. is amazing. The uh, raspberry I one. Dan, I got to tell you this. So um, if, if people don't know, earlier in the year, uh, the Buffalo Wing Fest is here every year in the city of Buffalo at, uh, at the baseball stadium downtown. And I was asked to be a part of the uh, make your own sauce. You know, I, what they called the influencer. I'm not an influencer. But I was on stage with people that were influencers, whether they were chefs or whatever. I won the trophy for best sauce, and I made a raspberry honey mustard sauce with Dan's base raspberry honey mustard or raspberry mustard, grainy raspberry mustard as the base of that winning formula. So, Dan, thank you for being such a loyal listener. Thanks for being so great and and uh, and sharing your your delicious treats. Um, we we really appreciate it. And and this goes for listen whether it's Dan or 
just a quick sentimental moment, if we can, Bruce. This has been, um, this is, by the way, again, for those listening, this is not our last show, but there's a good chance we'll, we're going to have some sentimental moments here over the next couple of weeks. Um, outside of this being the joy of my last two years, one of the highlights of my week every week, um, the listeners on this show, especially the rabid ones that show up here every Friday night, listen to us and watch us live. Um, I can't thank you guys enough. You know, this is, um, you guys make it worth coming here every Friday, um, you know, and, and, you know, taking time away from the misses and from the pets. Um, it's all very much worth it because of the people that, uh, and, and you know who you are, you know, the Karens, the Paddens, the Andes, all of you guys that, uh, that spent Richard, obviously, and, and all of you people that, um, you know, spent your time on a Friday night tuning us in, whether it's streaming on your television, on your laptop, on your phone, um, is it, it's really awesome that, uh, you guys, you guys made the show what it was. We probably wouldn't even be doing this still, uh, if it weren't for you guys that were better here live every single Friday with us. Um, and, and we, we really appreciate all every single one of you for, uh, for supporting us and, and being around and hanging out with Bruce and I, who come up with goofy topics every week to talk about and, you know, everything else. Um, you guys make the show what it is. And we, we, Trey, we, we all appreciate you guys. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I wasn't ready for it, Nate. I was. I thought that was going to come later on down the line. Wasn't ready. Now I have to pivot to. There's going to be much more. Second taste. There's going to be much more. A hundred percent. Can I just tell you right now? There is no shot we end this show. We end this series without me bawling my eyes out like a little baby. It's absolutely zero percent chance. That is if happening. you'd like to hear two grown men cry live, <laughs> tune in Friday to Food for Thought, whatever day that happens to be the live live uh, final show. But That's right. we're going to try and press on to foods that require a second taste. And I'm going to go first. So the first thing that I thought of when I said foods that require a second taste mm-hmm. is fusion foods. And I'll tell nice. you what I mean. What I mean is flavors that are delivered to your taste buds in a different method than mm. what you are used to. And I don't necessarily mean this by going to like a restaurant and they have like a like an Asian Hispanic fusion. That's not what I mean. What I mean is specific foods like breakfast pizza, barbecue chicken taco, peanut butter and jelly quesadilla, things like this. These are flavors that are delivered to your taste buds via different format. Something like a Choco Taco would count as something like this. And the reason that is, is because I always think, I always think it takes your brain a minute to wrap your head around the fact that the delivery method or the texture of these flavors isn't what you're used to doing. It Mm. isn't what you're used to having this way you go okay i'm totally used to having oh my gosh castellan got it i said what i mean by that is everybody's got a drink now (laughs) well done well done well Well done done. so that i almost just said i almost just said it again 
But and wait, 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 and super chat. And super chat. Everybody's got to take two drinks. Everybody's got to take two drinks. Drinks. So, Nate, really quick. Yes. When I said that fusion food, when I said a flavor that you're used to being delivered in a method that you're not used to, what's mm. the first thing you thought of? Um, usually like a like a Tex-Mex Mexican American fusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first thing I thought of when I saw this was something like like fried mac and cheese bites. <laughs> yeah. Right? Good. You're used to eating mac and cheese, but you're <laughs> sure. not used to chewing on mac and cheese through like a fried shell, right? I think those things are always something that takes a minute, right? It takes a second for you to, your brain to kind of calibrate to reconcile the flavor that you're used to in a texture or a method that you're not used to. So for me, those are foods that require a second bite. Nate, what you mm. got? Okay, so um, it's funny. You went with kind of a, a very specific category of foods, right? Like fusion foods. Um, I went with more of a very specific food, and I went with sushi. And the reason I went with sushi Dude, is... Dude, I almost went with sushi because I had it tonight. Yeah. I just want you listen, to know, we were close to going with the exact same thing again. We are we are guaranteed before this ends to at least do this one more time is just to, is to un, un, unknowingly pick the same exact thing. Um, but the reason I picked sushi is the first time I ate sushi, it was not good. But mostly because I didn't know what to order, what I'd like. As someone, and I've told you this before, I've never been a huge seafood guy. At least when I was younger, I never ate seafood. When I was a kid, seafood was not a uh, was not a regular thing for me at the dinner table. My dad liked it. My mom was not a seafood person. So I never got fried fish. And obviously everybody knows about my disdain for fried fish. Um, but, you know, tilapia, halibut, uh, sea bass. I mean, these are all things that into my adult years I've really come to enjoy. But when you're ordering sushi for the first time as someone who has never eaten sushi before – what are the what are the things that you kind of lean into, Bruce, right? Like you want to lean into things that you feel like will be very mild, a white fish or, um, you know, a California roll, something that you're really kind of, or even like cooked shrimp, coconut shrimp or something along those lines. The first time I had, um, I had sushi, there was a lot of the, you'll know the name of what I'm talking about, but it's the little orange fish eggs on top. Do we know what those are called? I do not. Let me Google it really quick. Oh, let me Google it. Everybody <laughs> drink. Orange fish eggs on sushi. The best content. I'm so glad we give people the content like this. Um, it's Tobiko. Um, it's actually flying fish roe, which technically makes it caviar, which I didn't know. Um, adds a crunchy texture and a salty taste to the dish. Not to mention an uh, artistic flair, which is true. Um, the one, the first sushi that I've ever had, that I ever had, had way too much of this stuff on it, and I didn't know what it was, so I tossed it in. I just thought it was like, hey, something they roll in the sushi, and it gave it a weird texture because there was too much of it and almost uh, too much of a salty flavor. I hated it, Bruce. I did not have sushi again. I did not try it again for three years, and then I tried a dragon roll. Mm. Um, and it changed my life because it was spicy tuna, um, it was spicy tuna and I think spicy shrimp, like all in one roll. And it totally changed my outlook on sushi. Now 
I eat sashimi. Uh, I love like a good white fish sashimi. Um, you know, I love, I love tuna rolls. Um, I, I'm still like not the kind of guy that's going to go for like eel or anything, but I have really come around on sushi to the point where if I'm hungry, it's a part of the repertoire of like, Hey, I'm hungry, but I'm not looking to like maybe overeat tonight. I don't want to overindulge in carbs. Right. Let's go with sushi. And it's not just something that I'm going to eat and be like, okay, here's a couple of things, but like, get me a side dish of like general sow so I can, you know, satisfy my hunger. No, like I can eat a ton of sushi and be incredibly satisfied and happy. So it really took me that second time around to eat it at a really good restaurant um, for me to appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely for me, the food that most came to mind when I thought like it really needed the second opportunity around um, to appreciate like, and then obviously scale on. So sushi. That's a W for sure. Going to the comment section, we got Troy. We got Troy's, all sorts of going on. Troy, Troy he says, where, where, where what, restaurant? What, what restaurant? He wants you, he wants you to name <laughs> drop it. He wants you to do it. It was Tao, Tao and Orchard Park. Hey, Everybody's got a drink. Uh, Gio wants to know who won fantasy, Bruce or Joe. Okay, so Joe Marino won. It was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I, I lost. I had Stefan Diggs and, and Joe, Burrow. Joe Burrow, and then yeah. the game got called. Yeah. So is it possible I could have won? Sure, yeah, it's possible. Sure. But I was down when it happened, and we weren't going to play these games. No. I'm not, I'm not going to do this whole throwing a fit because the world didn't let me win a third consecutive fantasy football championship. Oh God, here so we go. I just so third consecutive. He had to drop third consecutive. Drop By the that. way, and I will say Joe won with a lot of grace. Joe decided to take the winnings of the league and donate it to uh one of the 26 shirts uh causes. I have the 26 uh each player that uh gave our league dues got their own 26 shirts. Um and I forget the cause that it was but like I, I will say this. It was the Marham um, one. Uh, oh, yes, it was the Marham's. Yes, I will say this. Uh, obviously, this is a pro Joe Marino podcast. Um, Clearly. But that was about as classy of a move to win a league in the circumstance that he won to give the league dues back to a charity. And, and obviously, DeMar's charity was uh, incredibly classy um, of Joe Marino. So, you know, as, as, as if this wasn't already a pro Joe Marino podcast, uh, we, we stand Mr. Mr. Joe Marino. Yeah, he and I chatted about it. He was like, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, what do you mean what I want to do? Like, like, like I lost. That's just the way it yeah. is. I, I lost. And he was like, well, you know, there's lots of leagues doing different things. And I was like, listen, we're not we're not doing this stuff, okay? We're yeah. not going to play this hypothetical what would have happened if I would have. Listen, crap happens. I, I, I take my L like a man. Right. We'll, 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 we'll move on. And that's what I did. So that's what happened. Uh, Karen says, oh, man, we can't add drink every time Nate moves to the list. <laughs> Which is solid absolutely solid all right moving along yes if the upcoming bills bengals game was a food what kind of food would it be i'm gonna throw you for one this this is i thought long and hard about this one and i think you're really gonna appreciate this bruce ready if bills bengals was a food it would be gas station breakfast sandwiches yes and the reason all the way deep the reason super deep cut (laughs) The reason that it would be a gas station breakfast sandwich is, is it could go great. You could have the best breakfast sandwich you've ever had at a gas station. To this day, the best breakfast sandwich I've ever had is from a gas station. And I, I think about that often. It was in um, 
shoot, where the heck was it? I don't, I, it was in a different state, right? I think about this sandwich a lot. It had a chorizo um, sausage. It had a fresh cracked egg, which you could tell. And it had a very soft, fluffy, flaky croissant. It was one of the best breakfast sandwiches I have ever had to this day. But it could also go really bad. And you could have the worst breakfast sandwich you've ever had at a gas station. There's almost no in-between. It's almost always going to be, wow, this is breathtaking. This is one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. And, oh, my God, this is inedible. I'm not going to eat it. And that's kind of what I feel about this game. Dan, it was not a Sheets. Um, but it was of that kind. Like I, I, there, there's another big South uh, Southern um, uh, gas station, I, I, and and th- somebody will say the name, and it, it it will bring it'll rush back the memories for me. Um, but it was not Sheets. But I, Sheets does have good good stuff. But um, Quick Trip, Get and Go. Trying to say, trying to think, uh, Southern gas station chains. You know what I mean? You know, you could Google it. W, it's um, it's a Wawa. It's a Wawa. Yes, let's go. Let's go. It was the chorizos. It was the chorizo Wawa. breakfast croissant from a Wawa in um, I want to say it was South Carolina. Um, best thing I've ever had. Seriously, I, to this day, I, I, I like. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, man, I really wish I could have the breakfast sandwich right now. But I guess I'll settle with this. Um. There's, I feel like this game could go a lot of ways, Bruce. And obviously it could go the way of the Bills and we can feel great. And it could be the one of the best times we've ever had a division round home playoff game against a team that is very good. Or, you know, Joe Burrow could outplay Josh Allen and it could be one of the worst times we've ever had on a Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. So um, I go gas station breakfast sandwich for the win. All right. It works. Patton, super chat. Thank we you love very you, much. Pat. What pet-friendly Buffalo restaurant would Nate use to name his fantasy football team after which also has Wi-Fi sufficient to allow him to Google a way to fix his Bruce camera? What is that, like seven drinks? Yeah, right. Pet-friendly Buffalo restaurant, fantasy football team, Google Bruce's camera. That's five different drinks. What I mean by that is thank you for the smiles. Well, thank you for being a part of this, Patton. We appreciate you. Thank you, Patton. Um, we appreciate you more than you could know. So for me, the upcoming Bills-Bengals game is the second time I had steak. Hmm. My father is one of the heathens. My father is one of the gentlemen wait, wait, who, wait. when I was growing up, is had he, his he... steak well done. No! Yes. Yes, he so did. your your first steak was well done. My first steak was a bite of my father's steak when I was very young, <sighs> and it was well done. Bruce, gosh, buddy, and I didn't get it. I just didn't understand. You were like, "What is this? What?" Is- I, I don't. People, why am I chewing on shoe this? leather? I don't understand. I mean, doesn't this is this what the dog does? Aren't we always trying to tell the dog not to do the thing you're telling me down to do? So for me, Christ. The second time Mr. Nolan, I had steak, I went, okay, this is what I was promised to begin with. I was po- promised a succulent meal. Sure. And I think Bill's Bengals, regardless of who wins, it's probably going to be a good game. Yeah. It I, don't think, I don't think there's a very high percentage chance of it coming in and being a bad game. But it, I was promised a good game a couple weeks ago. 
And then tragedy That's right. struck. That's right. So very similarly to the second time I had steak, this is the second time I am going to get an opportunity to watch Bill's Bengals. And I think this will be what I was promised from the beginning. Yeah. Now, my father has since become a medium well person, which is still oh, good for him. better. He's right? evolved. Right. But at the time, he was a well done person when I was very, when I was very, very young. And I just didn't get it. So for me, the upcoming Bills Bengals game is steak, but specifically my steak and specifically the second time I had it. Nate. Our food simile for this evening is about Kyir Elam and Khalil Shakir, both of whom made big plays to help the Buffalo Bills win their wild card matchup in the AFC playoffs against division rival Miami Dolphins. The recent play of Khalil Shakir and Kyir Elam makes me feel like I just found a Werther's in my coat pocket. <laughs> Now, for those of you who are not quite familiar, Werther's are butterscotch candies typically found in small golden wrappers on your grandmother's table. 100%. And sometimes she'll send you home with a couple of them. Hopefully. And you'll put them in your coat pocket and you'll miss them and you'll put it in your coat closet. And then next year, it's been a long time, you don't remember, you'll stick your hands in the pockets and you'll say oh, oh my gosh Werther's yeah is this is this a Werther's and you'll pull it out and go well look at that would you <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> we just got a comment from Karen and it says FBI jots down Bruce is a thousand years old I saw that I started laughing oh, oh gosh gosh. i am a thousand years old nate is very very much the young one in this duo there is no question i'm a thousand years old and i live in paraguay apparently (laughs) so my english is fairly fairly evolved it's good it's very good the entire life in paraguay hiding from the fbi so it makes me feel like i have (laughs) found a Werther's in my coat pocket because I don't think there's a lot of people who have tried Werther's who are like, Hey, this is, this, this sucks, right? Nobody tries Werther's. And like, Hey, this is terrible. I hate Werther's. It's butterscotch. Everyone loves butterscotch. Everybody loves butterscotch. The issue is sometimes you forget it was there. And when you have a rookie class who has not had a singular player that has mm. been dominant and really, really visible this year for your team, sometimes you forget they're there. You know, Khalil Shakir might not still be seeing the field if Jamison Crowder doesn't break his ankle and Isaiah McKenzie doesn't pull a hammy. Kyir Elam has been a huge topic of conversation for much of Bill's Mafia, much of Bill's Mafia, as it relates to playing time snap count why isn't he playing more is he playing badly i went back and watched every single one of the snaps for a couple games going guys no he's actually playing well i promise yeah he's not a bust he's just not ready in the coach's eyes yet and all of a sudden he's forced and thrust into a meaningful role it's hey you gotta do it 
So for me, so for me, having them play well is like finding your Worthers in the coat pocket. It's not that you ever thought it was bad. It's that you just kind of forgot it was there for a minute. Your focus was on something else, and that's okay. So for me, that's the way that I look at Kyrie Elam and Khalil Shakir. Padden says, Troy. I was literally crying real Talking to somebody else. Bruce has said many times that he defines a friend as a person you would not feel weird asking to, to help you move, and it would not be weird for them to ask you to hear you ask. So we know Nate's a friend. Yes. Yeah, so my right. definition of friend, for those who don't know, right, is because I've, I've always thought we, we we overuse the word friend so much because True. Facebook is what did that to us. Facebook right. forced us to overuse and dilute the definition of friend. And so I've decided that I'm going to define it as if I can ask you to help me move or if you can ask me to help you move. And it's not weird for you to ask or for me to hear. And it's not weird for me to ask or for you to hear. By definition, that makes you a friend, right? Which means I have like three of them. Sure. But Nate would count as one of them for sure. Can I Can I say, I think if you were to categorize someone as a best friend, they would volunteer their time without you having to ask. So Bruce, I guess I guess I would consider you one of my very best friends because I didn't have to ask. Uh, in fact, I would never ask. Um, I would never no, ask. I just I, messaged I you and said, "Hey, we've got boxes. Would you like me to drive them up to you?" And and you did. Uh, so for those for those who ever wondered uh, how great of a person Bruce is, uh, which I'm sure none of you really wondered, um, he he's about he's about as real and uh, and and as good people as good people gets. Uh, I hope I hope someday all of you get an opportunity to to meet Mr. Nolan because he is as uh, cordial, he is as gentlemanly, uh, and he is as um, authentic as anyone that I've ever met. So um, if that if that doesn't tell you my my thoughts about Mr. Nolan, uh, hopefully hopefully you now know. Wasn't ready, Nate. Was not ready. Still not ready. Wasn't ready 18 <laughs> minutes ago. Still was not ready. Um, Patton says that I can't be a thousand because I like Final Fantasy VII. Um, good, I, I think that's, good point. That's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Patton goes with the deep cuts, which I, I've always appreciated. And then Castellan says, I must be older than Ruth because I think six is better. Listen, I like six too. Seven has a special place in my heart. The soundtrack has a special place in my heart. I still listen to the soundtrack all the time. It just hits me in all the feels. I can mm. acknowledge that I think six was, you know, reasonable for a lot of people to think is better and i know it's not really a hipster thing to think seven is better i know i've spent already 45 seconds on final fantasy but i'm telling you right now for me it's seven it's mostly the soundtrack so mm. that's that, that that's that's the way it is okay nate the recent play of khalil shakir and kair elam makes you feel like what like i'm eating a delicious dinner it's fantastic you've had a couple of bites and you're like i've made the right choice right like I'm eating the right dish. This is this food was tailor made for me. It's your favorite dish. Maybe it's Italian. Maybe maybe most likely this is Italian because of of how this incorporates everything. But it's not the meal, Bruce. It's the wine pairing, and it almost becomes accidental, where you say, "Wow, this wine pairs perfectly." with this fantastic meal. This is a great meal on its own standalone. It is a good to great meal. It could get me home tonight. I could lay on my bed. I'll sleep happily and have no problems. 
but it's the wine pairing that takes and elevates that great meal you had and brings it to sort of the next level. And that's kind of how I view Kyrie Elam and Khalil Shakir this year is you've got a great dish and you know, you've, you've always had this dish standalone and you've never needed wine to sort of take it to the next level. But tonight you've got this Italian pasta dish and man, it's delicious. But, but the waiter recommended a fantastic wine pairing that has elevated the dish from being great to being elite, to being fantastic. And I think that's kind of where we are with Khalil Shakir and with Kyrie Elam. And let's talk of a second for Khalil Shakir. Obviously, the drop is what maybe we all kind of think about. And, you know, listen, there was a really good receiver in that game that had three drops and he just wasn't on the bills. His name was Jalen Waddle, who's a Pro Bowl level receiver who's averaged 18 yards a catch this year. Um, in the same kind of position, into the sun. I'm going to give Khalil Shakir a pass, and, and I'm hoping – and I don't know what you think about this, Bruce, but like I'm going to see Isaiah McKenzie back off of the injury report this week, and we'll kind of see what his introduction back into the playoff lineup means for Khalil Shakir. I hope that it doesn't take Khalil Shakir off the field because I think he brings a very interesting dynamic to this team. He sort of brings the best of Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie into one player. And I very much see Khalil Shakir over the next three seasons while he's under his rookie contract. I think he's the slot receiver of the future. Um, and he brings a little bit more juice than Cole Beasley. And I think he brings a little bit better catch radius and a little bit better hands than Isaiah McKenzie. But I think he brings, he's not, now he does not have the same top end speed as Isaiah McKenzie. And maybe he doesn't have the same route running acumen that Cole Beasley has. But I think he sort of brings the best of those together. Um, and then obviously there's Kyrie Elam, who I think I've been maybe pining for for quite some time now to sort of take over that cornerback two position. And I think he proved on Sunday that this defense is better with someone that they believe can actually play man coverage at a high level. He can press man better than Trey White's the best corner on this team, and it's not close. Kyrie Elam's a better press man corner than Trey White is. Um now, do I believe, you know, Kyrie Elam is as good in zone coverage? Is No, I mean, he's not even close um, to the instinctual player that Trey Davis White is. But in man coverage and press man and trail technique, Kyrie Elam is the best trail technique press man corner on this team. And it's long due that he sort of gets his due um, in this defense. So I'm really looking forward to seeing when you've got healthy Dane Jackson, healthy Christian Bedford, healthy Kyrie Elam. I'd like to see Kyrie Elam get those snaps, Bruce. RJ says, I can't remember who posted it, but Khalil Shakir and Isaiah McKenzie ran almost the exact same 40 time. I think McKenzie was 0.01 faster. Mm. By the way, that was me. Mm. I was of the guy who posted was. that. Of course it was. And the reason I posted that is because I was talking about, I wrote an article about Khalil Shakir and how I think eventually, yes, I think eventually he could be the full-time slot guy. But for right now, he's not even being used in the same way that Beasley no. and McKenzie are being used. Khalil Shakir has actually only played in the slot 58% of his snaps, which sounds like a lot until you realize that both Beasley and McKenzie are 80% plus. In addition, Khalil Shakir's dot, his average distance of target, is second highest on the team behind Gabriel Davis. Hmm. They're using him vertically. It's interesting. It's interesting. They're using him vertically, which is fascinating. So I almost think that there's almost a three phase, right? There's almost three aspects of wide receiver three right now for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I there think is you're the right. Cole Beasley aspect, 
which is the RPO game, which is the site routes, site adjustments, which is the glance routes, which is the quick hitting, third down, get to the sticks, make shake somebody out, let's make it happen. Then there's the Isaiah McKenzie part, which is the jet sweep, the gadget stuff, right? Then there's the Khalil Shakir stuff, which is primarily vertical. And also, he can be your wide receiver three without being your slot. You can move him to the line of scrimmage and then move Gabriel Davis into the slot, which is something that Brian Dable did a lot more often than Ken Dorsey. So he serves as your wide receiver three without necessarily being forced into doing the slot because you're comfortable with him doing the vertical things. You're comfortable with his ability to be press. You're comfortable with his speed. And the reason I put that next to Isaiah McKenzie is because everyone thinks of Isaiah McKenzie as the fast guy, but you don't think of Khalil Shakir as the fast guy, but their forties and their 10 yard splits are almost identical. So I think there's a path to say, okay, well, Khalil Shakir currently does one of the three aspects. But maybe next year, he could do two of the three aspects. And he keeps working on the route running, maybe halfway, two-thirds of the way, three-quarters of the way through year two. Now, all of a sudden, he's doing all three of the three aspects that previously were handled by three people. Because mm. Cole Beasley probably not going to be back next year. Isaiah McKenzie might not be back next year either. This wide receiver room next year could be Diggs, draft pick or free agent, Davis, Khalil Shakir. Yeah. That could be it. So for me, I'm all the way on board with the idea that you allow Khalil Shakir to slowly absorb into himself more and more of these aspects that you were talking about, right? To become the full-time wide receiver three. That doesn't mean I don't want to invest meaningful assets in wide receiver room moving forward. I, I, I absolutely do. I, I'm going to be saying, yes, please. Yes, please. Let's invest in wide receiver. If Jackson Smith and Jigba is there at 31, I'm all the way there. All the way there. And please, before anyone says anything, 31 is the last pick in the first round. Yes, year. it is. Because the Miami it's... Dolphins forfeited their pick. So don't say, oh, you, you have us going to the Super Bowl and losing it? Because I know for a fact somebody out there thought it. But if Jackson Smith and Jigba falls, let's go. Now, I don't think he's going to be there. I really, really don't. I think Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnston, I really think these three players are gone by the time the Bills pick. Um, you know, Johnston, a height, speed guy. You know, Jordan Addison. People are going to look at Jordan Addison. They're going to think it's Devonta Smith. That's what they're mm -hmm. going to think. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think, is a player who, before the success of all of the slot-only players that have come out, in the last couple of years, I think that that view of him as a slot only, I really think that, that would have hurt him. But now you have players who primarily played in the slot in college, like Justin Jefferson, like Jerry Judy, Ross St. Brown. You have all these players who were slot players in the NFL uh, in college. They come out and they're like, oh, yeah, it turns out they're actually just good players. So I don't think being a slot only player is really going to knock people down anymore. People are going to look at Jackson Smith and Jigba and go, uh, what if he's super Amon Ross St. Brown? Like, what if I get yeah, Amon Ross St. Right. Brown <laughs> on rollerblades, right? Yeah. Let's let's have some of that. So he'll be gone in the first round. So for me, I think Castellan says we need more receivers with tough to remember names. I agree. But I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is, that's a great name. Yes, it is. Is it is it the greatest name? I think it might be the best wide receiver name. I mean, Equiminius St. Brown is good, obviously. But Amon Ross St. Brown is the best be wide better, receiver yeah. name. I mean, also, he's a better player than his brother. So that that helps.
Mm. All right, moving yeah. along. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So before we get started on the digestive, which is the winners and losers, I would like to, you to know that I have digestive cookies right now in my pantry. My okay. wife brought home cookies. My wife. They're my wife. And <laughs> she brought home digestive cookies. And I was like, oh, my God. To make you I, poop? I, like huh? you're talking about like, does it, do they make you poop? Though they're meant to be eaten after a meal. Oh, right. Okay. They're like little dessert cookies you eat with your coffee. Okay. After like a meal. Like, are you talking about like um, ladyfingers? No, they're like they're round, almost like round chocolate covered graham crackers, almost. Oh. And they're okay. literally called digestives by I think they're made by Nestle. I think is is the uh, is is the cookie maker, but I don't I don't know quite for sure. But when I look at digestive now i think of those cookies but winners and losers in the nfl so we're gonna start with winners okay and nate you're gonna go first so my winner and loser and they're not the same people but they're they're close um my winner this week trevor lawrence trevor lawrence overcame three first quarter interceptions i think there could have been we talk about narratives a lot, right, Bruce? Mm -hmm. And and I think narratives tend to happen very specifically in the month of January in the NFL. Narratives, this is where narratives are either created or where they come to die. And I think there's a really good chance that Trevor Lawrence, after the first quarter of last Saturday's game, there could have been a very real narrative about Trevor Lawrence. There wasn't because he came back and won that football game. Um but what he did in the second half of that game, what he did to bring that Jaguars team back in that fourth quarter, um, nothing short of remarkable. He is one of the next young, great AFC quarterbacks. That's why I hope that the Baltimore Ravens find a way to trade Lamar Jackson because I think there's a good chance Trevor Lawrence could surpass Lamar Jackson as like the fourth guy in the AFC. And if that happens, um, you know, the Ravens may never – win a Super Bowl, they may never win, they may never win the AFC North again uh, with with uh, you know Joe Burrow. So for me, Trevor Lawrence is the biggest winner this week. And, and a lot of it has to do with the narrative that was being created for him 15 minutes into that football game that swapped very quickly after. It did. My winner this week is also an AFC quarterback. It's Justin Herbert. Because you don't have to get Joe Lombardi, Joe yeah. Lombardi anymore. Yeah. So I made a, a joke on on Twitter. There's been a lot of talk about the average A dot for Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey, and I said that since the elbow injury, Josh Allen, Ken Dorsey is the opposite side of Justin Herbert, Joe Lombardi. So if you are not a Chargers watcher, which a lot of people aren't because they play on the West Coast, but Justin Herbert's scatter chart for throwing the ball is hilarious every single week. Mm. The dude is a freak athlete the way Josh Allen is, has a cannon for an arm the way Josh Allen does, not to that same degree, but is a great young quarterback and is 100% having training wheels stapled to his ribs. Yeah. It's literally, it's painful to watch. And everybody who's a Chargers fan was ready for Joe Lombardi to go away. And 
to go another year with him as the offensive coordinator is the inverse decision for my loser of the week. My loser of the week is Kenny Pickett. Hmm. My loser of the week is Kenny Pickett because the Steelers are bringing back their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. Yeah. So it's the inverse. Matt Canada's offense, I cannot possibly tell you. The most creative thing you get from Matt Canada is everybody has a tight end pitch play. There is a tight end pitch play in Matt Canada's offense every single time. But I'm telling you right now, Kenny Pickett's development will be hindered by the continued presence of Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. It is the opposite of the decision that was made by the San Diego coaching staff was said, okay, we need to get somebody, somebody to help us take the training wheels off Justin Herbert, who is a stud. Justin Herbert is a star. The fact that the the only thing you could have done worse with Justin Herbert was give him Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> right? Because I'm right. a Kyler Murray believer. Like I I don't think he's Justin Herbert good, right? But I think Kyler Murray's a good a good player, right? I think he's a talented player and Cliff Kingsbury's offense is is not great. But Trevor Lawrence is going to have a narrative around him this year because of what Nate said. Justin Herbert's narrative is on the decline until the Chargers get rid of Joe Lombardi. Kenny Pickett's narrative is on hold because of the Steelers' continued employment of Matt Canada. Nate, who's your biggest loser of the week? You're going to love this. My biggest loser of the week. Take it based on what I've told you. Who, who do you think it is? Based on what you've told me, mm-hmm. what have you told me? Well, I, I said it's 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 there's a correlation with my biggest winner, who was Trevor Lawrence, and the biggest loser. Okay, the biggest loser is going to have to be the Jaguars beat the Chargers. It's going to be Brandon Staley. It's going to be Urban Meyer. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. I don't think anybody looked worse on a national stage than Urban Meyer did after that game. And it's not just after that game, but it's seeing what competent coaching has done to the evolution of Trevor Lawrence, seeing what competent coaching has done to a team that's largely the same team it was. Obviously, Trayvon Walker's a new player. He's the number one pick. I mean, he's got the impact and... Um, obviously they, they went out and they got, um, Evan Ingram, which was a huge, huge pickup and, and Evan Ingram has been fantastic. I mean, revived his career. Um, urban Meyer looks like the worst coach to ever grace the NFL. Maybe ever. Not that there was a lot of doubt that he wasn't before, but, um, yeah, I just don't know how he isn't the biggest loser after watching that game. Uh, he sucks. <laughs> I mean, what else do we say about urban Meyer? He sucks. That's about it. That's all yeah. I can say. All right, Nate. We did the thing. We Gio always do. says we are the bigger, biggest losers for losing food for thought. Yes, that might be true. I will say that you might at some point pull up your Buffalo Rumblings podcast feed on a Thursday morning, and instead of hearing the instead of hearing a little less conversation, the sample, you might. 
all of a sudden you secure a food for thought thing. I might just drop it in there at some point. Just randomly in July, all of a sudden you're going to hear the seductive dulcet tones of Mrs. Nolan saying, welcome to Food for Thought. The table is now ready. You know? <laughs> I've had people. I've had people message me like, "Your wife has a really sexy voice." I'm like, "I know." Yeah, I know. Like, he, trust me, guys. Bruce knows. Yes, I know. Bruce Thank knows. you, Bruce knows. Thank you for sharing. Bruce is like, I Bruce familiar. is like, Bruce is like. I kind of remember that, guys. I gotta go. I'm gonna go talk to Mrs. Nolan. Uh, yeah, I need to do room. something else right now. <laughs> this is why I need my Friday nights back, guys. Yes. Why do you think I need my Friday nights back? Listen, I love you all. There's no question, but oh, let's God. let's be clear about where your priorities are, okay? Let's <laughs> let's be sure. Well, folks, we did another thing. We did all the thing. I hope you enjoyed what is hopefully the like fourth to last mm-hmm. episode of Food for Thought and not the second to last. I hope that you've enjoyed this Friday evening, but most importantly, I hope you didn't leave hungry. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.